Hear ye, hear ye, word nerds. Be forewarned that this podcast contains saucy language of the modern and early modern varieties. So plan your listening accordingly. Or don't. That's a choice that you can make. But don't say we didn't warn you. Yeah, so we're going to talk about genre. Cool. And why this play now. Great. Okay. And maybe also pedagogy. <laughs> Great. Since cool. I'm teaching it soon. All right. So yeah, whenever... <coughs> Jess hacked up a hairball, everybody. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. She and Becky have been getting really close lately, and like, Bobby have fucking have. Homegirl's cold. She wants to snuggle all the That's time. That's true. I'm seeing so many more like snuggly Becky pictures. Ooh, she's so snuggly, and I love her. Pennsylvania cold is like the best thing that ever happened to your relationship. It really fucking is. Welcome to the Hurly Burly Shakespeare Show. We are your hosts, Jess Hamlet. And Aubrey Whitlock. And together we are Hamlet. And this week, it's The Tempest 301. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoy the show and come back for more. Today we're talking about The Tempest. I don't know why that's in there twice. <laughs> I Oh, you know why? Because uh... Oh, oh, because this is where we say what we're talking about, The Tempest. Yeah. Right. Today we're talking about why the Tempest. Oh, why? Yes. And I just skipped right over why. Today we're talking about why the Tempest. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) You know that moment in, uh, I forget, is it, it's one of the Avenger movies, maybe Infinity War, where they're like, where's Gamora? How's Gamora? And Drax goes, "I'll, I'll do you one better. Why is Gamora? No. It doesn't ring a bell, no. Oh, but, okay. Well, it's one of the know. greatest moments in one of the Avengers movies. I but will anyway, take your word for it. Anytime I hear, like, why anything, it makes me think of that. Why Nerd. is Gamora? I don't know, man. Why is Gamora? Anyway. Gamora the green one? Yeah. Gamora is the okay. green one. Zoe Saldana? Yes. Nice. But anyway. All right. So <laughs> this is a 301 episode. <laughs> There are no rules in 301s. I can go off on a Marvel tangent any fucking time I want to because we do what we want. Yep. You ain't the boss of us. You're not my real dad. Yeah. Um, However, (laughs) there is one rule, and that rule is that we assume that you know things about The Tempest, like the plot. Yeah. Uh, If you don't, if that's not you, if you got here by accident, first of all, welcome. But second of all, uh, we have 101 and 201 episodes for you in our back yes, catalog. You can go listen to them and then come on back uh, and listen yeah. to us pontificate. Yeah. Or you can like do it backwards and be really confused for this episode mm-hmm. and then get more and more clarity as you go mm-hmm. back into our catalog. I mean, you do you. It's there are true. no rules. We're not, we're not here to tell you how to live your life. Um, no. Oh. So... Uh, yeah, in general, we use 301 episodes, are lo- they're a lawless place, but we try to use them to explore, like, 
a single focal point in a play, but then again, we do what we fucking want. So like, yeah. what are we, we're just, we're going with why the Tempest. That's like yeah. the, the, the phrase the, to focus on today. Yeah. It's kind of the big question. We're going to be talking about a lot of stuff, but. Excellent. Yeah. Why the Tempest. Yeah. But yeah. first, um, it's happy hour time. Uh, that's where we talk about stuff we like. I want to, in the spirit of like thinking about the Tempest and like colonization, because I always do, always and forever. Um, there's a, a Instagram. What do you call it? Personality that I follow. A- account. Sure, that's the word. Account. <laughs> That was, I was, my brain was like searching really hard for that noun and I couldn't find it. Thank you. Um, so at Decolonize Your Classroom and uh, in partnership with the at Amplify.rj communities on Insta are offering um, all this month weekly asynchronous video lessons and live Zoom discussions about the history of black abolitionist politics in action. Uh, the first one starts this Saturday, so af- as of this recording, you will have missed it. But you could catch the, ne- the next three. Um, so it's going on every Saturday all month. You can sign up at tiny.cc slash abolition. We'll throw a link up to that uh, in our show notes for this episode. What does the RJ stand for? In I have RJ? no idea because it's Decolonize Your Classroom that I follow. Yeah, um, and they them. had posted this. Uh, I think racial justice is what the RJ stands oh, for. Oh, that would make sense. Yeah, yeah. I see it I'm and I go, sure. amplify Romeo and Juliet. Why do they need more amplification? <laughs> they do not. No, they those are kids plenty are... amplified. They're fine. All eyes on those kids all the time. Okay. Um, yeah, so they're they're doing that. I think it's free to attend and it's all online and it sounds really fucking cool. So it does sound really Check that cool. out. Okay. My rec is um, not as cool as yours. Uh, it's just Marie de France, who is a medieval woman writer. Um, and she's so fucking great. And I just wrapped up three weeks of teaching her to my women in lit class um, today. Ooh. And I'm just, I'm just blown away by the, the talent and the breadth of this woman um, but also how well my students did with the material. So if you don't know Marie de France, I am, I'm encouraging you to know Marie de France. You want to start with Bisclavret, uh, which is a, a short story in verse about a werewolf, basically. <laughs> um, and it's awesome. And the moral <laughs> of the story is if you're married to a werewolf, don't, trap him as a werewolf so that you can go cheat on him because then all of your children will be born without noses which i just think is like a really great moral you know yeah like something that we all need to learn yeah i mean you don't want <laughs> noseless children running around uh-uh. that's no. just not fair to them it's, it's this is what i'm saying um and then today we we work through uh marie de france's fables which are like if you're familiar with the concept of aesop's fables it's that um and in fact she she says like hey these are aesop's fables but my way and they're awesome and there's one about a guy who like falls asleep outside naked and a beetle crawls inside his asshole. Oh my god! Yes, <laughs> that makes me feel all kinds of like itchy, right? Yeah. I, no. Nope. And then, and then the guy's like, 
hey, doc, what's wrong with me? And the doc's like, mm, you're pregnant. And then. <laughs> yep, that's how that happens. Yeah, yes, totally. Yeah. And then the guy's like, oh, no. And then the beetle crawls its way back out his asshole. And the moral of the story is basically don't be gullible. Don't. How about don't nap naked in the great outdoors? <laughs> yes. When expect pants. expects insects to not crawl in your orifices. Yeah, yeah. That seems dumb. It's just I love Marie de France. And I just I want to shout out to my students who are so fucking game for this. And today I said, you know what? I want you to go through all of these and just circle any word you do not know. And then we're going to look them up and we're going to we're going to learn a bunch of words. And we we came up with a list of like 40 or 50 words. And it was just such a delight and such a really great like pedagogical modeling moment to be like, hey, it's it's fucking OK that you don't know these words yeah. and that you not only don't know what they mean, but don't know how to pronounce them like this is what learning is about, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, I know all of these words because guess what? I'm a lot older than you and I have a fucking PhD and I've been yeah, reading this shit. Yeah, you've done a ton of reading. Like yeah. A long time. Yeah. Um, it was super fun. It was just really, really yeah. super fun. That's awesome. I, I, Yeah, there's so much shame so, sometimes mm -hmm. around students at every level. Like I was just mm -hmm. in a workshop with seventh and eighth graders today and yeah. they were you know freaking out over like mispronouncing words and it's like mm -hmm. well you it's the same problem you know and it's yeah. like are you gonna die you're not gonna die if you mispronounce this thing huh. like the only They're, way you learn is by yeah. being corrected by someone who knows more right or or right? by looking it up and sometimes when you look up a word you still don't know how to fucking pronounce it and right? like google doesn't always help either because uh -uh. the robots don't know how to pronounce stuff nope. they pronounce it wrong half the time yeah like, i mean if you've only ever learned a word from reading it of course you're not yeah. gonna be able to pronounce it correctly if it's like a weird word right yeah. like yeah they're just like, they're so scared of seeming stupid or like admitting that they yeah. don't know everything and it's just yeah. like babes yeah if you already knew everything you wouldn't be in school yeah. like what you would be off like being a genius <laughs> doogie yeah, hauser somewhere right. like, like you know you are yeah. expected to not know everything it is okay yeah. Yeah, such a huge hurdle. It's like such a simple concept, but it's such a huge mm -hmm. thing for learners at like every level. At every, I mean, even us, right? Like even oh, yeah. we're fucking experts, but in a room with other experts, we are terrified of admitting that we don't know things. Like people right. are like, oh yeah, mm -hmm, Lacan. And I'm like, yeah, Lacan. I don't fucking know what Lacan is. I mean, I know what Lacan is. Lacan's a French theorist, but yeah, like that, I, don't, I got I don't, as far as French, but then I yes, lost. Yeah, I, I was like, that sounds French. That's all I. Know. I can't tell you anything else about Lacan. No, <laughs> like, I can French tell you about theorist. Lecoq, who was a mime, a famous French mime, but I can't tell you about Lacan. Uh, Lecoq. <sighs> okay, let's talk about the fucking tempest. Yeah, speaking of cocks, <clears throat> let's uh, talk about the. <laughs> you like my segue? I'm so good it was at segue. Really good segue. It was. It was good. It was relevant. Yeah. It's like completely on topic. Great. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what if the Tempest, but different genres? That's our note. That's, That's our note the for note today. in all caps, folks. Yeah. That's, it's not even like a fully formed sentence. I love it. Yeah. Well, so because here's the thing, right? <laughs> the Tempest. <laughs> fuck off. The Tempest is. <laughs> no, I, I genuinely love it. <laughs> yeah. Keep going. The Tempest is a romance. Uh-huh. But 
of all of the things that Shakespeare wrote, he only wrote four romances. Uh-huh. You know, they're the late plays. And right. frankly, romance is like a nebulous genre. Yes. So what if The Tempest, but comedy? What yeah. if The Tempest, but tragedy? What if The Tempest, but revenge tragedy? Ooh. Question. Mm-hmm. In Shakespeare's time, when these plays were coming out, I don't, I guess it's not a question. I'll rephrase <laughs> it as a question. It, came, it was coming out of my mouth as a declarative <laughs> statement, but I don't know the answer. Okay. Um, were they actually titled as romance plays at the no. time? I didn't uh-uh. think so. Okay. <clears throat> um, they were, I mean, hang on, comedy tragedy wings. history is kind of, I, I don't even think they called them history. It was like the tragedy of Richard III or like, because those kings like died and stuff. Yeah. Hang on, um, check the Wiggins. They were nope, much more limited in their genre classifications, from what I recall. Yeah, well, um, and comedy didn't mean funny. Either. Exactly, comedy just yeah. meant like story. Yeah, it just um, meant like nobody died, and most of the time, people ended up coupled up by the end. Uh, the Wiggins says the contemporary genre is play. <laughs> <laughs> Great, and then also Super helpful comedy. Yeah, that makes um, sense. You got the young and, people all booed up at the end and like nobody yeah. died. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, you know, that's that's I like I think I think this is this is the question, right? Is what about this play classifies it as one thing versus the other? Because I do also think that there are some really tragic elements to the play. I think there's some really interesting revenge tragedy elements to the play. And like, I want to, that's what I'm interested in. I want to talk about that shit. Okay. Okay. I mean, yeah, it's, 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 it's revenge tragedy unfulfilled, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's plots from a couple of characters to Mm -hmm. kill other characters Mm -hmm. for reasons justified Mm -hmm. or not. Um, but like they never seem to be able to go through with it. They get waylaid by, you know, being drunk and yeah. manipulated or they just never find exactly the right opportunity or magic intervenes or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, so I, so the, you know, the first revenge plot, right. Is Prospero. Right. Right. Prospero sure. wants his revenge yeah. on Mantonio. <laughs> Is that the brother? It looks like we need to listen to our own brush up. No, it's not. It's, there's all of the names. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Antonio. Usurping Duke of Milan. This is one Antonio. of the few Antonios in the canon that may or may not be gay. He's one of maybe the least gay Antonios. You just can't prove it. Yeah. Because, well, like, you, you don't know his life, but, like. Uh-uh. Also, headcanon, yeah. they're all the same Antonio. <laughs> um, <laughs> what a life. <laughs> What yeah, a life post for that one night. Antonio. My God. <laughs> post 12th night, post merchant Antonio. Um, like all right. That. So Prospero wants his revenge on Antonio who usurped him. Uh-huh. Not that's like the, that's the driver of the whole play. I think. Right. Like, and I think gets, that's fair to say he gets closest to actually enacting that murder. Right. Cause they do well, almost die at sea, except they don't. They, I, so I don't think he, I don't I don't think the revenge he wants is death. I think he just wants payback, right? Like revenge does not yeah. always equal death. That's, and I okay, think he does true. get his revenge, right? Like he he orchestrates the the tempest. <laughs> That's the title of the play. <laughs> he so, you know, he conjures up the storm and then like puppet masters all of them on the island. Um and 
you know, gets his dukedom back-ish, mm-hmm. right? Like, at the end, he's all like, ah, I am the rightful Duke of Milan, and fuck you. And also, then Antonio's like, oh, my bad, brother. Have your kingdom right. back. We good? We good? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Right? Yeah. Um, so that's our first bit of revenge. Uh-huh. But then... Well, and then you've got What's-His-Butt trying to kill... Was it Antonio, too? Was Antonio the one in cahoots with the... Yeah, I think Antonio is then trying to kill Alonzo, who's the right. king of Naples. Right. Yeah. He's trying to kill the king. Yeah, because he... You know, being Duke isn't enough. <laughs> so no. he got be he got killed king too, which also like that's not how primogeniture works, but like you do you, Antonio. What do I know about the nation states of Italy in the Renaissance? Literally nothing. I so. mean, and if Shakespeare's taught us anything, it's that it's not always a straight line, that primogeniture, mm-hmm. right? Like hello, yep. Claudius. Uh, so yep. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Also, see the Wars of the Roses. Right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so that's number two, right? And then we've got, um, what's his butt? Caliban. Who yeah. Trying wants... to kill Prospero. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then do we, I mean, do we factor in uh, Stefano and Trinculo? Like they, it's not really revengey. It's just kind of yeah bumbling yeah ambition yeah because caliban's like i'm gonna get that prospero guy yeah and i think i think caliban is the one who sees the opportunity to use Mm -hmm. those two fools Mm -hmm. to get what he wants so yeah they're more like they get him drunk which like works against him but other than that like yeah caliban's the one that instigates that and kind of tries to use them initially as like means to his ends not yeah, they don't. They just care about the riches. They don't give a shit about Prospero. Yeah, right. Because he's like, my master has treasure and magic and whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so that's yeah. all they care about. So Caliban seeks legit revenge, and that like yes. deserved legit revenge. Uh, right. So all of these these threads of revenge, which you know I have just said, and you have just said, we've agreed, but I'm going to mm-hmm. say again, the revenge is what drives the plot. Yeah, it's it is yep. the reason for everything yep. that happens. I'd, yeah, I'd agree with that. So, you know, it's not a revenge tragedy because it doesn't end in tragedy. Right. It ends right. in marriage. But right. what if there was a, you know, a dark take on it that was like staging it as a story of revenge? Mm-hmm. I would watch the fuck out of that. Mm hmm. And I wonder if anyone out there has ever, like, taken that route in staging. Um, You know, I haven't seen a whole lot of productions of The Tempest because why? Um, But The Tamar Tentist is just terrible. (laughs) And that's like, you know, the big one. I didn't mind it. I know how you feel about filmed Shakespeare generally and stuff. But like, I, I liked it. I thought that film had a lot to offer. Also, I love julie tamor's like weirdness i'm okay did I'm you see into it, it did you see it when it came out or the helen like, mirror we're talking about the helen yeah, mirror yeah, yeah, right? yeah. yeah 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 so did you see it like in the moment it came out or like later uh i didn't see it in theaters but i did see it i think when it was released like on dvd or something okay okay yeah. but, so, so like in in its like yeah. still moment okay yeah. so i yeah. didn't see it until significantly later 
and it okay. does not hold up um okay. in like i believe that i haven't watched it yeah, in a long yeah, long time yeah the like the the effects are hokey and um yeah i it did not it did not do anything for me and i thought it was i really like julie tamor's aesthetic mm-hmm. but i i've never seen a shakespeare of hers that i enjoyed so i think she and i fundamentally disagree on how to do Shakespeare. And I think that's okay. Right. Like I don't yeah. have to agree with Julie Tambor and she certainly does not have to agree with me, but you know what she did do. that was fucking fantastic is the fucking lion King on fucking Broadway. I mean, yeah. 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 Um, and I, you know, I, yeah, I liked, I liked that movie, but again, I was thinking about it. I remember watching it and I remember mm-hmm. thinking, wow, like the mother daughter dynamic is different than a father daughter mm-hmm. dynamic. Mm-hmm. And like, I I enjoyed that take and I know, Mm -hmm. you know, we both have different feelings about like when or if you even should regender a character. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But like I I enjoyed it for what it was. But yeah, it's been been at least over a decade since I've watched since since I've bothered to watch it. So I don't I don't know. Can't speak to how it's how it's aged. Not well. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So what if uh, Tempest but revenge story? I guess that would relegate anything light, like the Miranda Ferdinand. And I don't the, think it needs to. To like a subplot? I don't know. Well, I mean, I think it's all pretty subplotty anyway. I guess. Um, I guess. But so. I, like, I don't, I don't, I don't think they need to, I don't think they can't coexist. I think they can coexist. Yeah. That's a, but I just, I think, I think the, you know, it's, it, well, <laughs> I just want to see something more interesting than what I have seen, which I feel like is kind of saccharine and wistful and like an old man wishing he was young again, like that kind of, it's like, it's very nostalgic. And I just, and I don't, I think, I don't think that's the best take i'm not even sure it's like in the top half of takes Mm -hmm. you know i think i think there are way more interesting things going on in this play than like prospero finally being tired of hanging out on an island with his books like you know sucks to suck prospero but also you suck so fucking (laughs) eat your just desserts yeah. You know, as discussed, we are not fans of Prospero here on the Harley Burley Shakespeare show. Yeah, we think so he's much. a dick and also a, a deadbeat dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got some weird ideas about parenting. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> Namely, hands off and letting your daughter be essentially your homemaker. But yeah. Like, whatever. Yeah. Um, hmm. I just, you know, I think, yeah. I think, uh, I think a dark sort of angry tempest is is one that I'd like to see where then Miranda and Ferdinand really become like the shining bright spot yeah. and what if Prospero has no redeeming qualities and is just a curmudge who's blinded by his own mm. sense of needing to get justice for his perceived wrongs yeah i mean what a relief then when he lets it all go yeah i feel like like, i think that's the catharsis yeah 
It would be. It would be like mm-hmm. when he when he sets down that load at the end finally. Mm-hmm. If if he'd been carrying around that kind of anger and bitterness and just mm-hmm. if he'd been shouldering that for the whole play and then setting mm-hmm. that down, mm-hmm. my God, I feel like the whole audience would just exhale collectively. Yeah. Like that's a lot. That's a lot to carry. Yeah. Um, you know, not just the burden of age, which I've seen that. I've seen that yeah. played a lot. So and it's like a lot of, oh, a lot this of old is, men. This is Shakespeare's farewell play. Oh, wistful mirror. Like, is it? And I mean, I mean it could be. Well, yeah, yeah. But like had that's this conversation. Not, yeah. But that's not like always in that's not always engaging to that's not yeah. engaging to watch. Um mm-hmm. unless it's like your final performance and your theater is closing or like there's something parallel happening to to you personally like but the <sighs> also context then matters so much the audience can read right like right it doesn't matter if me as an actor as prospero i'm like ah oh, this is the last time i'm ever gonna play prospero like right. if that's not visible to the audience it doesn't right. fucking like, matter right yeah. like yeah. you know it doesn't yeah but like yeah, I, yeah, it would really have something to say if, mm-hmm. um, if you carried around that much, like, just hate and negativity and yeah. then setting it down and letting it go. I feel like yeah. that would, gosh, that might even, I, that might even redeem Prospero for me by the end. Right. If he lets that crap go. Yeah. Know? If there's like um, an actual, like if we can see the remorse for yeah. all of the fucking shit he's been carrying around and doing, but also if he's like, you know what, that was really shitty of me to enslave Caliban and Ariel and colonize this island and be a dick to my daughter. Like yeah. if there's some some remorse and redemption for that, like the thing about the romances, right, is that they are all to a man stories of reunion and redemption and Mm -hmm. like the father daughter relationship. But I think it's, it's, this is the least satisfying of them because Mm -hmm. I don't think Prospero is a redeemable character. So I'd like, I'd like to see an actor take on that. I'd like to see see him recognize the harm he caused. Yeah. I would, I would like to see that. Right. Like Leontes reckons with what he does. right? Right. Yeah, you know, we don't we don't really see him do it until act five because he goes away for Bohemia. But then, you know, we he comes back right. and we learn that like he went to the grave every fucking day. Yeah, that's not nothing. It's not right. a lot, but it's not nothing. Right. Right. But like, he, in, yeah, he ultimately recognizes what he did and wants mm-hmm. re- he like seeks reintegration into his community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Cymbeline. Right. There's the the whole making nice with Imogen mm-hmm. and uh, Pericles literal reunion with his long lost daughter who yeah. has, you know, been sold into a brothel cause mm. <laughs> right. Thanks yeah. for that. Shakespeare and peel. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, but this one, it doesn't, I, the, the father daughter relationship is like at the heart of the play but it's a really fucking weak heart because he never ever seems to confront that he's kind of been a shitty dad. There is no reunion because they've been together the whole time. There's no redemption in that arena. Like, yeah. Well, I mean the, he, he he does commit wrongs against Mm -hmm. his daughter, but the, Mm -hmm. the ultimate like reunion and like, reconciliation really happens with his brother yeah 
but also just kind of like barely like to me yeah, yeah it's fractured know, and, it's yeah. yeah antonio doesn't like it's not a, like a true reunion repentance situation it's like oh well fuck i got caught so right <laughs> this is how i move forward is by saying yeah okay i fucked up and here you go like yeah. i don't think he's super busted. sorry about it he's yeah. just busted yeah yeah well and you know even the you know you, you I've seen some productions where you're definitely led to believe that um, that there's like business put in, especially in that final scene where like Prospero is reconciling with the residents of the island, like Ariel and Caliban mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and like, mm-hmm. and the release of Ariel is supposedly one of those moments. And I'm not convinced that it is like, again, no. it feels like, <laughs> right. Like, um, you know, Antonio's like, oops, busted. Like, you caught me. I guess I have to give this dukedom back and not murder that king. Like, mm-hmm. oopsie whoopsie. And it kind of, like, Prospero's putting off Ariel the whole play. Being like, yeah, 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 do this last thing and I'll release you. Do this last thing and I'll release you. Yeah. And then finally it happens. So it's it's not, and it's like, and it's incidental to his departure. Yeah. So <laughs> so it's all, it's that same feeling of like, busted i mean i'm leaving anyway so i guess i'll release you now like it doesn't it's never felt to me like a moment of of redemption no that part either so it's like it's like half-assed redemption kind of all over the place you know I don't, so I don't know. this is also super interesting antonio doesn't actually ever fucking really say anything uh-huh so you know, this is it's Act Five. Yeah. Um, and Should I be looking at this too? Do I? Need no, I think you're okay. I think okay. you're okay. I mean, if you have one within arm's reach, but I do um, on my phone. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so all of the you know the the Milanese shipwrecked people, mm-hmm. they you know they they all show up in the same place, and Prospero says, "Behold, Sir King, the wronged Duke of Milan, Prospero." For more assurance that a living prince does now speak to thee, I embrace thy body. And to thee and thy company, I bid a hearty welcome. And then they hug. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Alonzo, who's the king, right? Not right. Prospero's brother. Alonzo is like, oh, what? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's like some back and forth with Gonzalo. Um, and then Prospero says in an aside to Sebastian and Antonio, he says, but you, my brace of lords, where I so minded, I hear could pluck his highness frown upon you and justify you traitors. At this time, I will tell no tales. And Sebastian says to Antonio, the devil speaks in him. And then Alonzo's like, oh, so great to see you. I've lost my son. Wah. And then Prospero's like, oh, yeah, I totally lost my daughter, too. And then, you know, they're revealed playing chess. And then... <laughs> Alonzo's like, ah, it's my baby son. Yay. And there's like happy and, you know, reunion and reunion. Uh, and then the bosun comes in and is like, hey, the ship's fine. Uh, <laughs> and then Stefano and Trinculo come in, right, um, with Caliban. And Antonio says, uh, one of them is plain fish and no doubt marketable. Jesus. Uh huh. And then there's all of that, you know, this thing of darkness. I acknowledge mine. Um, go into my cell. Go away. Blah blah blah. And literally, that's it. Like the yeah, only Antonio fucking thing talk. that Antonio says is, "Oh, Caliban looks fucking weird." So isn't that fucking interesting? That also 
Shakespeare doesn't tie that up. Like that's no. just a production choice. That's a fucking acting choice. Yeah. That's just a you know? loose like, thread. Like the the sort of embedded stage direction there is when when Prospero's like, I could tell the king that you're a traitor, but I'm not gonna right now. Which is sort Paralypsis, of like, yeah, my favorite like a, thing. <laughs> Right. But it's like it's like a a, a thinly veiled threat, like right. keep in line or I'm going to tell the king right. that you tried to kill him and then you're fucked. Yeah, there is no repentance. There's no accountability for Antonio. Wow. Right. Huh. Yeah. 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 Just his just his silence. His. Yeah. You know, self-preservation. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just Alonzo uh, really talking and Gonzalo yeah. a little bit. But they're like, they've kind of always been buddies with. Right. Uh, what's his ass? Prospero. Prospero. <laughs> it's like Ferdinand, you know, that not guy. Ferdinand. The other guy. <laughs> um, yeah. So huh. it's reunion, but I don't I don't think it's redemption because they're yeah, there's, certainly not reconciliation. You know, yeah. Like there, there's nothing there, huh. you know. <gasps> Huh. <laughs> just how many octaves can you hit <gasps> probably a couple more lower and lower yeah remember that time then we were like we don't have anything to say about the tempest <laughs> i knew yeah. if we just got started uh, no you're right you're right you're we'd right be okay you're right so um, so this begs the question too and i i brought this mm-hmm. up in a, a few episodes ago that like a ton of theater companies are choosing this play this year. They are pr- choosing to produce The Tempest <clears throat> now. Okay. Why? Yeah. Why this play now? I mean, that's Why? the eternal question, right? I mean, yeah. Um, for you for know, any play ever and also ask, for dramaturgs yeah, and yeah. <laughs> scholars. Ask and... that all the time for any play yeah. you want to do. But like, but, so they've made the choice. Yeah. Why? Why? Including my own company. Like, ASC is doing it later this fall. Like, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be one of our oh. Ren shows. We just announced the the full season. It's gonna be the Tempest and Pericles are gonna be Ren shows. Um, in the fall. I, uh, but, okay, so that's a reorganization of when Ren season happens. That yes, I was not aware of, and that's fine because why did I need to be aware of it? I didn't because it's not my company. <laughs> <laughs> just blew my mind for a little bit. I thought that like yep. y'all were going into Ren season right now, but you're not. It's oh, okay. No, no. Um, okay, uh, yeah. So well, so if y'all are doing it. Yeah. Why are y'all doing it? Because I can posit my own ideas about why to do this play now. But you, yeah. do you know why um, it was chosen? And especially you know, in conversation with Pericles, like that's yeah. You that's know what the, the you know if you, for the if price you, of one. <laughs> you know what's kind of hilarious is that if you look at the whole arc of the 2022 season at ASC this year, it uh-huh. really is just a cautionary tale about nautical travel. Like, <laughs> just, just don't tell me. Tell me. <laughs> I mean, we've got uh, you know Romeo and Juliet exempted because, and but comedy yeah. bearers. Those are the two shows we're starting up right now. Comedy mm-hmm. bearers, sort of you know their origin sh- story is a shipwreck. <laughs> That's how the twins get separated. Uh-huh. Uh, we move to Twelfth Night and its companion shipwreck. play Thrive <laughs> in the summer, which is also about being on a boat, being on ships. Mm-hmm. Uh, we <laughs> we go from there to the Tempest and Pericles shipwreck, and Untempet, um, which is not going to be a Ren show, shipwreck. but it's going to be happening in rep with those yeah, two yeah. shows. Um, so like, it's all about like, baby, stay off those boats, basically. Yeah. Boats don't bring um, you no good. Don't do it. Don't get so on a boat. So let me, let me just call up <laughs> They Carter just wreck and quick. confuse you. 
and just be like, hey, pro tip for your first like official act as AD, um, change the company's name to Shipwreck Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> like do that right now. I know. So like, and we realized that after we had put that season lineup together, That's we were really all just, interesting because we were looking at. And, and I can say this because I was in that room when a yeah. lot of these conversations were happening. Yeah. I didn't um, make all of the choices for all of the plays, but I did contribute. Obviously. And like we were really interested in identity this year mm-hmm. and in mm-hmm. and in reconciliation. I think yeah. um, as a company, we have been through a lot, yep. <laughs> um, which is an understatement. Um, mm-hmm. So like. We're very interested in 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 plays that restore, in plays that show different versions of reunion and reconcile, and um, so that is kind of what led us to the Tempest. Also, it is a well-known title; it's a curriculum title that went mm-hmm. into the factory. It factored in as well, you know, for the fall. Like we wanted a, a student matinee show that teachers might be teaching, and believe it or not, a lot of people actually teach the Tempest in usually around twelfth grade. Um, so like that's part that was part of it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so like ironically enough, the thing that we're bagging right now <laughs> as like fractured and kind of messed up um, is is what tied it all in for us. Um, that and yeah. And then we sat back after and looked at the lineup and we're like, oh, my God, <laughs> this is all about this is all about shipwrecks. <laughs> Nobody get on a boat in 2022. It's a bad idea. Just don't do it. I mean, <laughs> it'll yeah. bring you nothing but trouble. Just don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, that's you know that was our why now. That was that was it, and we hadn't done it in a very long time. That was another you know lots of little practicalities factor into what you choose for a seasonal lineup too. Like we hadn't produced the Tempest since good God, it it had been at least five or six or seven years. Like yeah, not it was since during... like. 2015 or 2016 yeah Yeah, something like that so like it had been a minute yeah um we were due for it so like that was so i i wonder um if it's having a moment right now because of this like idea or dream or fiction of it's the end of the pandemic Mm. you know so this is it's sort of like this is a we've been going through it play right and i wonder if this is this is theater sort of like welcome back to the you know brave new world of post-pandemic um like moment of we've been going through it and now we're having redemption and reconciliation and reunion with our audiences like that Mm. it to me it seems like a very post-pandemic choice Mm. um even though you know, it's uh, not post-pandemic. <laughs> yeah, it's... But, uh, it's the, you know, we're. It's I think we're getting there. Stop. We're just, we're not, we're not there. Like, it's still yeah. very pandemic-y outside. Yeah. yeah. You just like, look out the window and you just see a pandemic. Yeah. It's just there. You know, theaters are still closing their doors and, mm-hmm. like, canceling or delaying their spring mm-hmm. openings, you know. Yeah. Because people won't fucking wear a mask or get vaccinated. God you know, damn it. I'm just like rolling up to every fucking target in town being like, uh, can I have my booster now? <laughs> That's a joke. I am. I am not. <laughs> I'm not a vaccine pirate. I am not. I've only been boosted once. But, you know, is I, I will get the booster as many times as they'll fucking let me. <laughs> so yeah, really? Yeah. 
Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. I can also see other theaters making the choice like us to just for practical reasons. Like it's a Big Ten title. Yeah. And like maybe they're due. Um, It's funny that the thing we cling to the most or that you can most readily point to in this play of like redemption, reconciliation is actually really troubled in mm-hmm. in this play. Mm-hmm. Um, and for some reason, we like gloss over that when we're talking about it. I mean, I'm I'm teaching this play um, later this semester. It's it's the third of four plays we're reading in my Shakespeare class. Um, And it's on there because of the, you know, the post-colonial colonization. Yeah. Imperialist, you know, racist kind of interpretations like this. The 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 catalog title of my class is tragedies and romances uh but the what it says on my syllabus is shakespeare and racism yeah (laughs) so it's um othello titus tempest and perklers yeah which gets short shrift we're doing that in one week at the end of the semester (laughs) (laughs) r.i.p pericles you were great you're my favorite play but also sorry about it we got yeah. we got well you do need a power cleanser to, after yeah. those three good grief. yeah which and you know it's not it's not like there isn't problematic fucking shit in pericles there's a oh, lot yeah. of problematic fucking shit oh, in yeah. pericles just slightly less overt racism yeah <laughs> it's still there it's just less yeah. slap you in the face yeah i will be very interested to see how we grapple with it mm-hmm. this year Mm-hmm. in production which of course i won't be able to know until september or october well, you know when it starts rehearsals start yeah yeah um but yeah you know having having uh been through a lot of dei trainings lately and like mm-hmm. all of that it can't not inform a production yeah. i would hope well i, I would very can. much hope it not yeah it can you can completely try but... to keep those separate but that would be like learning nothing yeah it probably won't not inform y'all's production right yeah i don't i don't see that being a problem for us that particular thing um i have seen some pretty fucking racist productions of the tempest Uh (laughs) uh-huh i mean (laughs) like really yep yeah i'm like well what do you what do you do I mean, you have to confront it, right? And the answer for that hard shit is not just like, well, let's just cut it because it's antiquated and it's terrible and whatever. Right. No. You know, that's not that's not the answer. It's an answer. It's it's a lazy answer, right? Yeah. You want you want to grapple with it. You want to confront it. You want to make it clear to your audiences in production that like it's not okay that this is happening. These right. are bad things that we're performing for you. Like, you know, it's it's dumb right. that people will go see hamlet or Macbeth or r and j or you know name any other of the big ones here right and like sit through those and come away understanding like oh yeah uh murdering people is bad but they'll go sit through the tempest and not come away with like oh racism and colonization is bad right enslaving the natives of the Uh place you land is not great no like it's real bad don't do that ignoring your daughter not cool yeah you know yeah no i guess more what i meant with that question was like 
literally what do you do on stage? Because mm-hmm. I've seen I've seen productions that try to that try to other Caliban so much to where he's yeah. like not even human. You uh-huh. know, to where he I've, really is. Yep. They lean into like the scaly fish thing, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, and I feel like that almost makes it worse, like that he's literally being dehumanized mm-hmm. and and treated as not human mm-hmm. and therefore somehow that's OK. And then mm-hmm. that and it's like even more repulsive when we learn that he has tried to rape Miranda yeah, I mean, the the question of, like, how to stage all of this in a way that makes it clear to the audience that, yeah. like, these are bad things is a difficult one. It's a really difficult one. I don't know that I've ever seen anyone do it successfully. I'm not sure I've ever seen anyone even attempt to do it. That mm. said, I have not seen very many productions of The Tempest. I've seen yeah. The Tamor, which uh, we know my thoughts on that. Um, and I think maybe I've seen one other one. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe like maybe I saw like a like a middle school one <laughs> once yeah. upon a time, but th- that doesn't count because middle school. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I've seen it. And I've, I'd say I could probably count on one hand how many mm-hmm. times, maybe like a half a dozen productions mm-hmm. I've seen because mm-hmm. um, I have six fingers. So. Um. <laughs> oh, you've, you've six fingers. <laughs> Because <laughs> so wait, I can wait, count wait, a half wait, a dozen wait. on one hand, obviously. Someone is looking for you. Yeah. <laughs> Do, Who? Princess Bride reference? Oh, sorry. Mm. No. What? I mean, you you don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of the Princess Bride. I definitely don't. It's not one of my favorite movies. I mean, it's what? okay, but like, eh, doesn't really do anything for me. Well, listeners, um. <laughs> This is On the day our note, podcast died. Uh, this this will be the last episode of the Hurley Girl Shakespeare Show. Um, this I love it. Aubrey, this is the straw that broke your back. This Aubrey part. And I have, this part right here. Uh, we've decided to go our separate ways. Irreconcilable princess bride differences. Creative differences. Um, <laughs> it's been it's been a great ride, and I just wanna I want to say thank you to my co-host for all of the good times. And also fuck off for all of the bad times, like that time that you shat on the Princess Bride. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, not sorry. Okay. Well, for our (laughs) listeners out there who got that reference, you're fucking welcome. And I can just hear your laughs from here. Mm -hmm. Um, Yep. Jeebus. Cheers. Cheers All right. Um, you want to? Should we gossip and get the fuck out? I mean, is there anything else we need to say about like the Tempest and too hard a knot for me to untie to quote another play about yeah was that 12 names yeah <laughs> but now must do it not i yeah somebody else go out there and like make a good production of the tempest that like yeah. accomplishes I'll be all really the things interested to see what y'all do in the fall me too me too if if nothing yeah. else it will spark uh some difficult but productive conversations in the rehearsal room i can guarantee that yeah so great yeah i mean you know? it's better than nothing yeah yeah um okay. i have faith that at least that will happen so all right let's gossip a bit um yeah. we've got a list this week apparently yeah well it's because it's because i had a little bit of extra time today and i i went on twitter for five minutes <laughs> what <laughs> i know what 
How? When? Yeah. What is Twitter? Okay, uh, so I found out that um, the Globe's continuing series on anti-racist Shakespeare webinars, mm-hmm. um, the next one is happening on February 10, so like right after this episode airs, a couple days after, looking at Hamlet specifically, um, we will throw a link up um, in our show notes so you can check that out. I think it's free. Um, the guest speakers for this particular one include Ian Smith and Naeem Hayat. I hope I'm saying that correctly, or Hyatt. Ugh, Ian Smith is so fucking good. Okay, I'm fine. That's great. I'm, I'm going to do one of those things where I nod and go, yeah, Ian Smith, fuck yeah, great. Okay, y'all. I don't you know gotta, who he is. You got to, <laughs> it's fine. You got to look up, it's not fine. I'm going to school you right now. Um, Please do. We are Othello. So 2016 article in Shakespeare Quarterly, I think this might be the issue that is still open access, question mark. Oh, cool. Um, It's so, it's just, it's fucking straight fire. Uh, I taught it to my students this week, last week, um, and just was blown away again by how good this article is and like fucking relevant and timely and it's all like black lives matter and um how are we how how why shakespeare now why shakespeare in this moment of racial reckoning you know and it's you know it's before (laughs) the world went to hell in a handbasket in november of 2016 um but it's still timely and relevant and just so well good not so well good that's not (laughs) english (laughs) so well written um and uh, it's it's oh it's so good it's so good it's all like hey uh why the fuck do we as like a society have no problem seeing ourselves in hamlet but why can't we see ourselves in othello Mm-hmm. and it's just oh, delicious anyway ian smith we are othello he's cool. fucking great well that makes me really excited for this webinar then that sounds awesome yes that yes. sounds great awesome mm-hmm. um another piece of very exciting news that i think just dropped is deny guerrera you know her <gasps> from the black panther movies uh, as that like shaved head badass guard of T'Challa, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, she has just been cast as mm. Richard the Third mm. in the Public Theater's Shakespeare in the Park upcoming production of the mm-hmm. same play. She's mm-hmm. the title character mm-hmm. of that upcoming production, and that is fucking exciting. <sighs> That's gonna be awesome. Yeah. I'm very excited about that. I like live close to New York now and close enough. That's true. You could get there. I could get there. I hear that getting tickets for the public is kind of an, uh, a yeah. palaver, but, um, yeah. you know, I'm close enough. I think it's like an hour and a half, two hours. Like wow. I could just see if I could get tickets and then oh, man. run up there on a whim. Lucky so. you. Well, mm-hmm. if you get a chance, girl you better go and report back because this sounds like a fucking awesome production yeah um yeah i also found uh a letter from the race before race executive board posted on medium.com today Uh about uh, a statement Uh basically about it's the title is it's time to end the publishing gatekeeping um and they were 
answering the call of scholars. Some scholars had put out a call of like of the same purpose, like end gatekeeping in in academic publishing. Um, and they outline in this statement like their support of that, and I think also steps that they are taking and have taken to, toward that end. Yeah. So the the original letter was posted June twenty twenty. Uh huh. Um, yep. I cite it in my disc. It's fucking great. I know we talked about this when yeah, when it did. came out because um, it was exciting. But yeah, yeah, and then there's the today they have this update from like five or six journals of how people have been responding, and it's so fucking exciting. Yeah, <sighs> yeah. I'm just gonna make that noise a bunch. Yeah, yeah. So it's a it's a good read and you know, worth still thinking about, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. About the gatekeeping that happens yeah. and the sometimes unintentional exclusionary methods for keeping people out of scholarly journals. Um, right. One thing it references here is like editorial boards, the the concept of the double blind review, evaluative mm-hmm. criteria, all mm-hmm. are things that um, structures and systems that they say deserve to be interrogated and maybe maybe dismantled so that more people with more ideas can diversify the field with their ideas by being published. Yeah. And like the the journals who have been named um, in this sort of update for like, here's how we're responding to this yeah. are good journals like real fucking journals Mm -hmm. um you know some of the biggest journals in our field notably absent are renaissance quarterly which is uh renaissance society of america's journal and Mm -hmm. shakespeare quarterly which is the you know biggest most prestigious journal in our field um which is currently housed by the Folger in partnership with the University of Toronto, I think. Um, Jeremy Lopez is the general editor. So, Mm -hmm. hey, Jeremy Lopez. Mm -hmm. Time to respond. Uh, But like PMLA, which is the the Modern Language Association journal, they're on there. Shakespeare Bulletin, which is like right up there. Um, English Literary History, also right up there. Shakespeare Survey, right up there. Post Medieval, right up there. Like mm-hmm. these are, they're not, it's not like your rinky dinky third tier journal. Like these are, they're big journals. It's like mm-hmm. the forefront of the field. And so it's really exciting to see them responding, but also making it super public exactly what steps they're taking mm-hmm. um and i so shouts shouts of thanks to yeah. all of them for doing all of that yeah and uh hey rsa and shakespeare quarterly get it time together to join up yeah time to join up the times they are a change in people let's it go now sure as shit is um <laughs> so you remember american more you remember that play obviously mm-hmm. yes i do mm-hmm. yeah it's uh it's gonna be on stage in pittsburgh this month <gasps> that's exciting how yeah. far away are you from pittsburgh Ugh, like six hours it's like damn pennsylvania is a long ass state yeah it's basically <laughs> in ohio um <laughs> but i'm considering going because i'm pretty sure i could get tickets yes uh, exciting 
But for our listeners in Pittsburgh, uh, American yeah. Moor, or in the Pittsburgh adjacent areas, Pitts- uh, American Moor is coming to you. You oh, get to see Keith Hamilton Cobb. Hours. Well, that's not so bad. Yeah, that's not bad at all. I mean, it's still basically Ohio, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> mm. uh, well, l- let me just say, if you're a, a Hurley Burley fan in or near Pittsburgh and you want to go see this with me, like, s- send us an email. <laughs> slide into my dms on twitter i don't know like don't be a creeper but also i want to go see this <laughs> and you, you heard know. it here first folks you're one and only chance to date jess hamlet no just no, no, no. <laughs> i'm not i'm not out here trying to yeah so uh, yeah just you know that's exciting holla at us i i mean we must know not know but we must uh have listeners in that part of the world mustn't we uh yeah all right um okay and then the final thing on our list is a recent um write-up in aubrey's favorite paper the washington post uh by aubrey's favorite theater critic peter marks um (laughs) that is uh it looks like it's like a wrap-up of um whatever shakespeare theater conference was in Harrisburg. Oh, STA. That? STA. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It was STA happening in Harrisburg. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it looks like it's mostly that the title mm-hmm. is how do theaters entice new audiences with Shakespeare? Question mark. There's the rub. Um, and it, Ooh, a Hamlet quote. How? Yeah. How original. <laughs> yes. It's, it seems to be like, why should we still care about Shakespeare? Yeah. In this yeah. moment. Um, but the the reason that it came across my radar and that I'm interested in it is because um, it engages with uh, Matthew Chapman, who mm-hmm. is um, a really fantastic scholar of yep. Shakespeare and pre-modern critical race studies, um, who is currently at uh, SUNY New Paltz, mm-hmm. I believe. Uh, it also name checks the ASC. It does. It does. Mm-hmm. I've seen this article. Yeah, yes. yeah. Um, so you know, it's out there. Give it a read if you're if you're interested mm-hmm. in that uh, and like why we should still care about Shakespeare. So. Oh yeah. And then there was another <laughs> article. Sorry, I'm just thinking. Um, Nataki Garrett, the artistic director uh-huh. of Oregon Shakespeare Festival, wrote a really fascinating op-ed in the Washington Journal. No, with journal. God damn Wall it. Street. Wall Street. Thank you. I knew it was a W. I'm really struggling today. <laughs> Wall Street like, Journal. That's the most famous journal I know, other than my own journal, which is not for public consumption. <laughs> After um, I die, you can publish my journal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she wrote an article about, uh, it's called Protecting the Creative Economy During covid Arts and the artists drive the local economy. Um, basically, this op-ed that she wrote um, was arguing for like federal uh, funding and federal protections for uh, regional theaters um, because of what they provide cool. to their local economies. Yeah, and she uses, of course, OSF as the example of like sleepy little mountain town of twenty-ish thousand people. You know, yeah, and how tiny. and how yeah, and how the the festival has since nineteen thirty five yep. like revitalized and sustained the entire economy of the Rogue Valley. Um and and it's not alone in that model. Like um, you know, COVID aside, like 
uh, ASC's been doing that for Stanton for the past 30 years or mm-hmm. starting to get there. Like Stanton's not mm-hmm. as far advanced in that God, as, as Ashland is. years? I know. Wow. <laughs> um, 30 plus, right? It was founded in 88. So yeah. What? I know. So, so oh. and, like, and like a lot of theater companies all over this country yeah, yeah. are doing that for their local economies. Yeah. Uh, and she makes the argument that, you know, especially with COVID, like, we deserve to be protected. It is an it is smart economically to mm-hmm. protect and fund local professional theaters because of yeah. the industries that they um, s- that they sustain. Yeah. Um, so it's that's a great read too. I'm going to grab the link to that now that great. I found it, and I'm going to um, throw that. I forget in if I said too. Um, when American Moore is in Pittsburgh. But it's February 17 to 20. Yeah. So just in case I didn't say that or if I said it wrong, <laughs> I'm saying it again now correctly. Yeah. Oh, it wasn't the Wall Street Journal. It was The Hill. She wrote an op-ed okay. in The Hill. Not... <laughs> I was like, it's one of those conservative, one of those fiscally conservative rags. It's The Hill. Okay. Um, yeah. So that's a lot of gossip. Lot <laughs> we of go gossip. we go through feast and famine when it comes to gossip. Yeah. Like some well, weeks it's like we've nothing. <laughs> got our heads out of our asses a little bit. Just Not that our heads yourself. were in our asses, but <laughs> my head is firmly planted in my butt. Like that we, beetle. Like that beetle from Marie de France. Go fucking read <laughs> Marie de France, y'all. She's like from the twelve hundreds. She's in fucking public domain. Just like Google Marie de France. That's D E, like of France. And just, you know, this claret, it's a story about a werewolf, gay werewolf, sexy gay werewolf with a sexy love gay it. king, and then also the fables, and then also just like everything else she ever wrote. We, we love to Good see God. That. Also, apparently one of her stories, sorry. <laughs> Uh, it's because I tweeted about this uh, a week or so ago and uh-huh. it got a lot of traction. Uh, apparently one of her stories, one that I have not yet read yet, has to do with fucking lesbian weasels. What? <laughs> Tell me you don't want to fucking read that. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, right. I'm going to bring on the lesbian shortly. weasels, I please. Mean, like what else do you need? What has Literally my life nothing. been lacking? I, I, lesbian lesbian weasels. weasels. Yep. Yep. Clearly. <laughs> I didn't even know it until you brought it up just now. But I like just, that's I, definitely the missing puzzle piece of my whole I'm life. Here to serve, Whitlock. Fucking just here to serve. Weasels. Yeah. Sapphic weasels. Oh, sapphic weasels. What more? And also that's maybe a, also that's a great band name, by the way. Right. <laughs> Sorry, I just want to like fact check my lesbian weasels real the, quick. The uh, the platinum EP of Sapphic Weasels is, <laughs> um, got a Grammy. It's gonna be great. Our, yes. Okay. Uh, Eladuck is the name of this. The Sapphic um, Weasels. The, yes, Eladuck. Okay. So E L I D U C might also be Eladuk. Uh, mm-hmm. It's also French, so it could be any duke. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it apparently is a polyamorous story with lesbian weasels, and I don't know if the polyamory applies to the lesbian weasels, but uh, I'm gonna read it and find out, <laughs> and then wow. I'll report back. Wow. Yeah. Um, so there it is. Okay. And on that note, I wow, think I, I really am done. <laughs> um. See, we brought it full circle. We started on a tangent and we finished <laughs> on a different tangent. And that's uh, that's how you do it. That's how it's done. 
It's Top Notch Podcasting. Um, You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you leave this podcast more informed than when you started. <laughs> Especially about polyamorous lesbian weasels. <laughs> I think we really delivered this time. Like, we don't always deliver on yeah. you're more informed, but I think we definitely did this yeah. week. Yeah. You, yep. Yeah. Oh, you're Christ. welcome. You're fucking welcome. Uh, all right. Come back next time. Um, we're revisiting Spanish Tragedy, Thomas Kidd, 201 episode. It's going to be lit because it's going to be informed by my literature students. So, Excellent. Yeah. Wham it out. The Hurley Burley Shakespeare Show is produced and edited by Aubrey Whitlock and Jess Hamlet. If you enjoyed our podcast, Please tell your friends, rate us, leave a review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts. For show notes and other stuff, you can visit our website at www.hurlyburlyshakespeareshow.com. You can get in touch with us by emailing holla, H-O-L-L-A, at hurlyburlyshakespeareshow.com. You can also find us at hurlyburlyshakes on Instagram. Or at hurlyburlyshake, no S, on Twitter. The land on which I live and work, colonially known as Stanton, Virginia, is the unceded territory of the Monacan Confederation of Nations, and I pay my respects to their elders past and present. The traditional custodians of the land on which I live are the Lenape Nation, and I pay my respects to their elders past and present. Learn about where you live at native-land.ca. Get involved at ndncollective.org and find out more about the Landback campaign at landback.org. All opinions you heard are strictly our own and not affiliated with the institutions we represent. Eat the rich and also the colonizers. I said fuck Jeff Bezos like eight times in class today. Did you? Um, I did. And then I yelled, eat the rich at my students. <laughs> I'm a good teacher, y'all. Um, You're really nailing it. I'm so proud. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just crushing it over here.